Buffalo City Hope. It's great to see you guys, and you know, I think summer makes you better. Everybody's afraid of the summer, but summer makes us better around here. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the sun, the heat, the beach, the promised land, but I feel real bad for all those people who do not live in South Alabama. Amen? Well, we don't want to tell them too much because they may all move here <laughs> and ruin this thing we have going on. Hey, it's great to see you. Mobile, welcome. Baymanet, welcome. And to the Foley people, the Malbus people, thank you so much for being with us on this first Wednesday. I, I need you to do something for me, uh, and I know that when I ask you to do this, you'll do it, but I'm going to have you also indicate by your hand. Uh, I need you to join us in prayer. We are uh, aggressively seeking the right place to start our Saraland campus, and that place has not opened up yet. So. Uh, I believe in your prayers, and I don't want it to be what you want or what I want. I want it to be what God wants, to open the right place in that, in that community so that we can get that campus started. So if you'll join me in that, would you just lift your hand up? Okay, that's pretty good. Look, look, well, hold them up. Look around. Just make sure there's nobody's hand. Okay, good. Second thing I need you to do for me is Monday we have a group of, uh, of our young people from City Hope going to Honduras to our campus there with Pastor Pablo and Kim and they'll be serving and ministering and I need you to be praying for their safety and be praying for their ministry that they will affect lives while they're there serving and ministering to children and in the church so your other hand would you would you would you do that not only before they leave but even while they're on the trip okay they leave on Monday they'll be gone like seven days so thank you very much uh, I want to remind you that our freedom classes begin on July the 13th at Foley, Mobile, and Malbus. If you have not been through freedom, every believer needs to go through freedom. If you have been through freedom once, you probably need to go through it twice. If you've been through it twice, you probably need to go through it three times. I know some people who have been through it four times, and they said every time they go through it, God reveals something else to them that helps them. So I encourage you to do that. It's a, it's a phenomenal ministry that we have at our church. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 5 and Acts 3. Those are the two places I want you to focus. And here, here's what I want to do. I, I, I'm going to do something that's a, it's not really uh, the way you put it together, but it's just the way God's kind of put this together. And so I'm going to look at two stories, and we're going to talk about healing. The first story is in John 5, and we're going to talk about the physically lame and then we're going to go to Acts 3, and we're going to talk about the spiritually lame. I'm going to be talking and using a lot of types and shadows because everything in the Scripture has a type and a shadow for us today. So I'll show you that as we go along. And so I want to get right into it. So I'm going to go to John 5, and, and, and I'm going to read the first, like, 16 verses, okay? Uh, and so I know that's a lot of verses to read, but it's Wednesday, and it's good for you, right? Okay, good deal. All right, so uh, after this, there was the feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethsaida. Bethsaida. It has five porches. In these lay a great multitude of six people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. In these that, that are sitting and waiting 
They're waiting for an angel, verse 4, for an angel that comes down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he had already been that he already had been in that condition a long time, and he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred, but when I'm coming, another steps before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Immediately, this man was made well, took up his bed, and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Jesus had a real bad habit of healing people on the Sabbath. I don't know why, but he did. The Jews therefore said to him who was, cur- who was cured, it's the Sabbath, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. We're talking about rolling up like a uh, sleeping bag, okay? Uh, he answered, well, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, this was the guy that was lame, see you have been made well, sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed, told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he'd done all these things on the Sabbath. And so they're they're going to kill him because he's helping people on the Sabbath. That shows you how messed up religion can become. This happened at Bethsaida. This Bethsaida is a type of the church, okay? It represents us today. This pool was 360 feet long, 75 feet wide. It was almost the same size as the ark, Noah's ark. There were five porches that were attached to it. They were there for people to get in the the cool from the heat. Uh, Bethsaida means house of mercy. So the point is, if any place on earth should be a merciful place, it should be the church. If any place on earth should have mercy, it should be the church. If any of God's people have mercy, then we are called the church. So we've received mercy, so we should extend mercy. However, many times the church is a place of judgment and criticism. Jesus is saying this should be a place of mercy. Now, there was a sheep gate. We read about it. Uh, and, and it was very close. Historically, this is a gate that's the closest to the temple. And so this is where they brought in the sheep for, for all the Passovers and, and the festivals for the sacrifice. Again, this sheep gate represents the church. It's a type of the church. It's a place where we enter. In other words, if you came into this place in the month of June, 174 of you into City Hope Church, and you became a believer, it meant you became a sheep. You, you were a goat, now you're a sheep. I love sheep, I hate goats. Anyway, that was for what it was worth. So, but watch this. The scripture said at a certain time, an angel went down and stirred the water. History tells us this stirring of the pools of Bethsaida were, only began in the life of Jesus. In other words, this only started after Jesus was born. It also says at a certain time, in other words, it's around the feasts that take place, three feasts a year. So, who, who, you know, who's in town during the feast? Well, even Jesus, even as a child, when he's one year old, he, he's going to the feast. It says that a certain angel went down at a certain time of the year, that's the feast, and early manuscripts used the capital 
capital, the angel, which means in the Old Testament, wherever you see the angel of the Lord, it means Jesus. So what, what, what came to me is that at a certain time of every year at the feast, is it possible that Jesus is the one who stirred the water? I mean, I just wonder if, if Jesus went to Passover, you know, he, he was a Jew and he went for 33 years, but somewhere maybe around four or five years old, he's walking by this pool and he just does this as a kid. And this water stirred up and all of a sudden people are healed. Yeah, that's just my version of it. But, but so, so let's go back to the story. This story is one year into Jesus' ministry. His ministry starts around the age of 30, is for three years. This is his first year. He knows this man's been in the position a long time. He walks up to the man who's been there 38 years waiting for a miracle, and he says, do you want to be made well? Now, to me, that's an unnecessary question to a man who's at a pool waiting for a miracle. However, Jesus doesn't ask unnecessary questions because there's a reason for this, and the man did not say yes. I mean, you would think he would say yes. He did not say yes. And, and so I want to go through a few reasons why we don't say yes to the question, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you physically want to be healed? Number one is excuses. We come up with excuses. Well, we're different. It won't work for us. I mean, we weren't raised that way. We weren't taught that way. That church believes this. This church believes that. We weren't raised that way. So it's different. And, and he's basically saying, he, he's saying, hey, listen, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. I mean, he could have laid right on the edge of the pool and just grunted and rolled over. But he didn't even do that. He didn't have anybody to put him in. And people tell me all the time, Pastor, you don't understand my situation, but, but maybe I understand Jesus. Because you see, he's saying it's not my fault that I'm not healed. It's someone else's fault. I understand Jesus, and I know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He healed yesterday, he'll heal today, and he'll heal forever because that's Jesus. That, I do know that. So I, I know there is nothing too difficult for him. And so I've actually had believers say to me, oh, I believe God heals marriages, but you, you, let me tell you why it won't work for mine because I'm different. Oh, I believe God can heal people, but let, let me tell you why it's not going to happen to me. It's been in my bloodline. It's in my family. You know, it's just a curse in my family. Or I've had people like say, oh, I believe in tithing, and let me tell you why it won't work for me. In other words, here's what they're saying. Let me tell you why I'm, I'm the exception to the power of God. You're not the exception to the power of God because there are no exceptions to the power of God. And verse 5, it said, a certain man there had an infirmity, okay? Infirmity, now listen, it means weakness. He had a weakness. Therefore, from the weakness, he was lame. He couldn't walk. Well, what weakness do you have in your life? For him, it was physical. Maybe yours is physical. Maybe yours is emotional weakness. Maybe, what, what is the weakness? And if you think about it a minute, well, you know, what is the one thing that if you could get rid of that weakness in your emotional realm, in your, in, in, in your physical realm, you could get rid of, if you could change and you could be free from, and you know, I'm sure some guy's sitting there thinking, well, I can't think of one. Well, ask your wife. She'll give you a whole list of, of things that you, you need to get rid of. The question is, do you want to be made well? Excuses. Number two, effort. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. He didn't say be healed. He didn't say be healed. He said, you're going to put an effort into this, buddy. Jesus knew he'd been there a long time. You see, it's easy to get comfortable in your weakness. Well, I've been a diabetic all my life. I've had heart disease, all this. I've had this, and I've had that, and I've had this all my life. So Jesus knew it was easy to get comfortable in your weakness. This guy's been there 38 years. And, and if this did happen around the feast, around the celebrations that's three times a year so so this is jesus first year of ministry so let's say he's 31 three times 31 this guy has at least 93 times of seeing the water move 
but he's become so comfortable and he knew the people around and he knew the courses they're going to sing and, and he knew when they're going to play bingo and have fun and, and Jesus comes along and says, hey, do you want to be made well? Are you willing to put some effort into this? Are you willing to change your thinking? Could it be that when Jesus said to him, sin no more unless a worse thing come upon you? Now, I know, let me take a side note. I know there are people who built entire doctrines around that verse, which is totally inaccurate when you look at the rest of the Scripture because you're taking one thing out of context. But when, when you look at it, you know, it, 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 people say that proves that all sickness is a result of sin in your life. I don't believe that's what he's saying, but sometimes there is a sin at the root of the weakness in our life. But Jesus is saying to this guy, don't go back to the way you were thinking. Something worse could come. Don't go back to bitterness. Don't go back to resentment. Don't go back to blaming. Don't go back to anger. Don't go back to self-pity because many people like to sit in self-pity. There are a lot of people who don't want to be healed because their affliction brings them attention. And they've had the attention all their life, and if they were to get healed, they may not get any attention. And so they have a lie built in their mind. He said, you're going to put some effort into it. He said, you're going to take up your bed and walk. You need to stop blaming it. Nobody's there to help you get in. Somebody beat you to it. Put effort into your healing to see your life change. So he had excuses. He had effort. Number three, he had experience. He's waiting on an angel to come down. That was his religious experience. Jesus comes along. Are you willing to do something different than your experience? Then take up your bed and walk, but it's the Sabbath. And they said, hey, you're carrying your bed on the Sabbath. And he said, the man who made me well told me to carry my bed on the Sabbath. And understand, it's not against the law to carry your bed. It was against the law to work. And the Jews had taken it so far that to carry your bed was working. So the point was he had to go against, watch, his religious upbringing. And there is a possibility that for you to be healed, you may have to step out of your comfort zone when it comes to your religious upbringing. Because so many people are so quick and so fast to flash their denominational card of what you were raised in. Well, let me, let me just help you with all of them. All of them have some truth and all of them have some error. And all of them have their little tangents and all of them have their little pet peeves. And just because you raised that way, you may have some religious experience that you have to, you have to say, okay, it's not going to work that way. It's going to work however God wants it to work because you can't put God in a box. You can't put a miracle in a box. He's going to do it his way. So he's going to have a different experience. He's looking for an angel, and Jesus shows up, and he didn't even know it was Jesus. You're looking for a certain type of move of God, and God shows up, and you don't even know it's God because of some religious stuff that you've been trained and taught in, and nothing else could be any further from the truth because you're raised in the God-blessed Bible Belt. Sometimes you need to take the Word of God and what the Word of God says and what believe, quit believing what a denomination said and what Grandma said. And when you get in a place where you need the healing power of God, you'll forget about all of that and you'll turn to this because this is the only thing that's going to set you free. It's the Word of God, not the Word of man, but the power and the living Word of God that's living and active. So some of us are waiting for a certain experience. And listen, I'm not just talking about all you Methodists and Baptist folks. I'm talking about some of you Pentecostal folks like me raised up and you're looking for gold dust to fall from the ceiling. You're looking for me to pick up a snake and handle a snake. That's all a bunch of tomfoolery. It doesn't work that way. It's not going to work that way. Our God is a God of honor and respect, and our God's Word is truth, and it does not return void. And when you believe in the Word of God and you have faith in the Word of God, He will move His hand, and you will experience what you need. 
God walks up to him in the form of a human, he doesn't even know it's God. I believe had he known it was God when he said, do you want to be made well? I think he'd have said yes. I know he would have. He'd have said yes. I, I wonder about you. If you came to one of our leaders at the end of a service and they said, can we pray for your needs? Or the end of a fusion group. You say, no, no, it's okay. I, I'm sure things are going to work out. It'll be okay. Can I tell you something? There might just be the presence of God in a human being wanting to pray for you to help you change your circumstances. But you say, oh no, I gotta have a special experience. Maybe that's what God's wanting you to do is to believe in the simple and let a person agree with you and pray for you in the simple and that God that's in them is gonna agree with prayer and you're gonna see something happen. And listen, we do that every weekend. So the next time you look down and you see someone standing here to pray for you, you understand this, that when you, God may be, Jesus may be in them with the healing that you need right then. Do you want to be made well? Stop making excuses, put effort in it, humble yourself, and, and ex- look for an experience that's not in the past. It's like, God, how do you want to do it? Whatever effort you have to put into that area of being changed. Now watch, I am going to hang a right, okay, big time. I, mean, I really am. I'm talking about physical healing. I'm, I'm going to talk about, I, I'm, I'm talking about being physically lame. Now we're going to look at a man that's spiritually lame. Now this is going to be a little more sensitive, but we have to do it. It all started in Acts 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple the hour, at the hour of prayer, which is the ninth hour. Peter and John now, uh, the, the church has been birthed. Uh, the day of Pentecost has happened. They're, they're in a state of unity. This, this couldn't happen if they weren't in unity, okay? Uh, it'd be amazing what could happen if the church was in unity, but the birthing of the church was in unity. It was tremendous. And so in Acts 3, 2, they're, they're going to temple. They're going to church. They're going to worship. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask for alms for those who entered the temple. So they, they went to temple. They went to church. Here's a man that's been going, and, and he's laid at the gate. He went to church every day to worship, but never entered in. He was laid at the gate called Beautiful. I'll talk about that in a minute. Peter and John had accepted Jesus. They were his disciples. Now they are filled with the Holy Spirit. The church is birthed. And, and for them to worship God, they went to the temple just like everybody else did at the hour of prayer. So here's what you have. Get this. You have a new group going into worship with an old group. <laughs> How's that going to work out? Well, I'm going to show you what God did. They're in the middle of this old group, but there's a lame man, and he's stuck at the gate, and he's caught in the middle. The lame man knows there's something different about Peter and John, about this new group coming in, and, 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 but he, he doesn't care if you call yourself the, the Jewish or if you call yourself Christian. All he knows, he's lame, he needs help. And, 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 and so, listen, there are people who come to church who step inside of City Hope Church and they don't really care about the things we think they care about. They come into our church in pain, hurting, lame, and they can't move. They're stuck. They come, but they're stuck at the gate. 
And, and, and church, listen to me. There's only one thing we must have, and that is the power of God to change lives. It doesn't matter what we sing. It doesn't matter what we preach. If we do not have God moving in the lives of people, nothing's going to be accomplished. Nothing. They lay daily at the gate of the temple. So in other words, he was, he, he was in church, but he was out. He's at the gate, but he's not in the presence. He even knew the people every week that came, every day that came by. He knew the songs, but he's not in the presence. He could quote the scriptures. He knew the Bible stories. He, he knew the songs, the people. He's still out. He's stuck at the gate. He's stuck at the gate. This is a place of average. This is a place of mediocre. This is a place where, where you're there, but you're not really there. You're singing the songs, but you're not worshiping. You're clapping your hands only because someone told you to or someone sitting beside you is clapping their hands. It's not because of the joy of the Lord. And I, I think many want to go in. They, 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 they want to go in because they're tired of being stuck at the gate. And many are stuck and they sit in a chair and they hear a sermon, but all they're thinking about is I got to get out of here before lunch. And I'm sure every campus has that quick exit door. We, we have one at Malbitz, it's right over there. And people who go out that door, they don't want to see nobody, talk to nobody, they're out that door. I try to go over there and just mess them up sometime. <laughs> they, 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 they hear the sermon, they're thinking about lunch, trying to get ahead of the crowd, what we got to do, where we're going to go. And, and they're at the gate, but they're not even thinking about the power of the Word of God that can change them. And, 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 and you may not know this, but the reason that it's a beautiful gate, it's because of the presence of God. And you're there, but you can't come in. Why? Because you're lame. You're spiritually lame. You can't enter in. You can't enter in with thanks, much less into praise. So you come to church, and you sing, and you listen to the sermon, and you fellowship. You even have friends, but you're stuck at the gate. So church, for you, is just another one of those things you do. It's another one of those things you were taught to do. It's one of those other habits that we do. But the verse 2 said he was carried daily to the gate. The problem is that people can only carry you so far. They could get him to the gate, but they couldn't get him in. The only way to get in is to give thanks, to enter in the gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. People can get you to the gate, but the, you, 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 you can't have a thankful attitude toward, you can't impart a thankful attitude toward people. You have to have that yourself. I can't get you past expecting to meet with God. You have to desire yourself to meet with God. And when you come in with a heart of thanksgiving and you express it and other people of God, you know, they're, they're here and they're offering praise and worship to God, then, then your praise, you, you're, something begins to change inside of you. And it's wonderful. But I have to tell you this, everybody can come in and offer thanks and give praise in the presence of God and, and, and God changes us. But it is possible for people to, to, to be, you know, to be standing in a service doing worship and God's touching people and, and, and you're not even touched by God. Because you can only be carried so far, and if, you're, and if you get used to be carrying, carried by people and leaning on everybody else's prayer and leaning on what mama prayed and leaning on uh, praise of somebody else, then there will be a day when you realize you need to go in and you can't because you're spiritually lame. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing how when people get in a real difficult place, where, well, they, now they want to get serious about God. Now they want to know God all of a sudden. See, here's the spiritually lame mindset. 
let, let me just come in and sit. I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be committed. I don't expect too much of me. I, 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 I can't commit. I, I, can't, I, I can't reason with this. Don't expect too much of me. I'm just stuck. You know, you're spiritually lame. And, and, and you realize I'm not talking about this physical condition of this man. Okay? Because the, the real the, the type I'm looking at is he can't move into intimacy with God. He can't move into the presence of God. He attends church, but he can't get into the presence of God. How long has he had that problem? He, he was born that way, verse 2. He was lame from his mother's womb. So watch, his problem's not a new problem, it's an old problem. Have you ever had yesterday to grab today and ruin today? When your past takes authority over your present? His problem's very old. He, he was laid there, and he starts asking for alms. He's begging as people pass by, and people start taking him for granted. They look right over him. They ignore him. They may flip a coin in the basket. He has his hand out saying, give me something. And then all of a sudden, Peter and John show up, and he's expecting to receive something. Listen, people who are spiritually lame, they need something, but they don't know what it is. If somebody comes along and gives them something, they reach out and they take it. And, and it makes them feel good, but a pat on the back, an encouraging word. Uh, you know, it, maybe it fills the void for that season or it takes care of the immediate problem, but the pain doesn't go away. And I believe that people are starving to death spiritually at the gate of the church, and we just need to give them something. And here we are, we, we walk right by them, we have the answer, we have the truth, we have the only thing that can set them free. And, and, and believe me, they, they don't know this, and you may not know this, but they're spiritually begging because they're spiritually lame. And, 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 and here's, here's what Satan says. I, I, I can handle him if he gets, I, I can't handle him if he gets up and comes into God's presence and begins to seek God for what God has for his life. I, I can't handle him. So I, ha I have to get him while he's young. If I can cripple him, if I can create this problem of being lame when he's little, when he's young, and there's no problem when he gets big. Because if I can put fear and intimidation about God or God's power, God's presence, God's mercy, God's grace as a child or as a teenager, then I have wounded the child. And Satan says, if, if I can do it while they're young, then I can fight the wounded child in him when he's an adult. And I, I am hitting home for some of you because you've been dealing with spiritually lame, you've been spiritually lame and dealing with this since you were a child or a teen. And, and Satan's fighting the wounded child and keeping you at the gate. And Satan knows he, he can beat the wounded child, but he can't beat the adult. He can't, believe, he can't beat the mature believer. He can't beat the spiritually free. And you have to learn to walk in with thanks and enter into praise and get into the presence of the Father. But in that wounded condition, that wounded child condition, lame, he attacks with fear, intimidation. And then you're in the same box you've been in for years and years and years. And you try, well, okay, I'll go to church and I'll attend church and I'll be this good person, I'll be that. But inside, there's this intimidation. Inside, you're spiritually not alive. And Satan knows if God ever gets your praise, then he'll show up in your life. And he doesn't want God to ever receive your praise. He wants you to keep, he wants you, to keep you spiritually lame. Satan can't let God get your praise and worship. It will pull down his control and the chains will fall off of you and you therefore will not be lame. Satan knows he keeps us stuck at the gate by keeping us lame. In fact, I'll even go so far as to say today that there's an endangered species sitting at the gates of the church waiting to walk into the presence of a living God. And I want you to know something. If you have a real problem, you need a real experience and an encounter with the real God.
So watch what this lame guy did, Acts 3, 4. Fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter, John and Peter said, look at us. In other words, Peter said, not, not at what I am, but look at what I did with what I was. I was lame. I was spiritually lame. I, I'm the one that denied Christ three times. I, I'm the one that cut the soldier's ear off. I'm, I'm the one who cursed that soldier. Now look at, look, look, look at me now. I'm helping start the church, and I preached the first time, 3,000 people got saved. I, I preached the second time, 5,000. Look, look, look. We, we don't have sil- silver and gold. All we have is a story. All we have is our testimony. And the Bible says he looked on them and his faith was stirred. He didn't see silver and gold. He didn't see a check. He didn't see government. He didn't see any of that. He just, his faith was stirred, Acts 3, 5. So he gave them his attention expecting to receive something. And then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. The devil will remind you of everything you don't have, and he'll say, you can't do this and you can't do that. Just go through the motions. Just, just, just go through the motions. Peter said, I, I, I know what I don't have, but what I do have is in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Verse 7, and watch, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them walking, leaping, and praising God. This man received his healing and for the first time goes in to the temple to worship God. Walked in the temple for the first time, and let me tell you what he sees. Oh, he didn't see all this. He walks in and he sees two, two sections, and in one section are all the women and they're covered, and, and then there's another section with all the men. But here comes this guy that was lame and he's praising God. He's giving thanks. He's offering thanks. And by the time he entered the temple, this thanks becomes praise. He's praising God out of his mouth. And God shows up right in the middle of the old and the new. When someone is set free spiritually, they can't not hold back the praise. Praise goes up, the presence comes in to make you spiritually healthy and mobile and and, and agile. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Hey, that's the guy sitting out there. That's the guy that's been begging for years. Then they knew that it was he who was said begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. People stared at him, wondered, what is he doing? Is, Is he crazy? Is he one of those Pentecostals? Is he a charismatic? I mean, what, 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 what is he? And here's what he's thinking. If you only knew what it was like sitting at the gate for years, and now I can enter in, now I can walk into the presence of the living God, you, you'd be praising God too. He'd, be, he'd say, I got tired of being carried around depending on somebody else to get me around, depending on a family, depending on a name, depending on a church. I've been depending on others to get me to God's church, and I'm not waiting on anybody else. I I can go there now on my own. I've been set free. I can experience with God for the first time in my life, and and I'm going to find my purpose and my destiny in life because it wasn't to be a beggar for alms sitting outside the temple. 
It was to be full of the presence and the love of God. When that happens, he shows up and, 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 he, and God heals him and, and he's not spiritually lame anymore. You'll never be the same when you come into God's purpose for your life. But I promise you, you can't get into the purpose of God's life if you're going to be spiritually lame. And, 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 and I, I'm talking about physical healing and I'm talking about spiritual healing and I, and I believe there are, there are many that, that need healing one or the other. But, but here's the truth. The truth is, is, is all of us doubt. When you say the word healing, when you're going to talk about healing, I've heard so many, I've read so much. I, I, there's, there's just, it's all over the place. But the truth is all of us doubt. It's a human issue. We all have doubts, but we can resolve our doubts. How do you resolve it? With faith. What is faith? Faith is just so simply there's, there's God's way and I believe God's way. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. There's only one way I'm going to follow God's way. Doubt means God said something, but people are saying something else. God said something, but the circumstances are saying something else. God said something, but my past says something else. So I'm standing between two ways. That's what doubt means. Doubt means double vision. I'm looking both ways. Watch. Here, here's why you're stuck. Here's why you're lame. Lame, you're not mobile. And by the way, this, we, we just think that this man was lame. We think that his, his legs were immobile. It doesn't say that. Now, strength came to them because he's been weak. That's, it doesn't say that. You, we, we don't know for sure. We just assume that. So we really don't know what his weakness is, but when he receives power, it comes and it starts in his ankles and his feet so that he can stand and maneuver. And in other words, he has to get out of doubt because the circumstances say, hey, I've been this way all my life and what's gonna change? And Peter and John said, listen, we don't have anything else, but what we do have is in Jesus' name, be healed. And all of a sudden he receives healing from his feet up. And, and, and so you see, he, he, he is out, he, he is at the temple the gate called beautiful and and he's and 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 because he's looking both ways he's hesitating and there's no conviction he's hearing the word of god but there's no conviction he's hearing the worship but there's no conviction he's stuck he's lame he's hesitating so with hesitation and lack of conviction he can't make up his mind he's stuck and here's what i believe i'm fixing to throw you a curve now i went right i went left i know just hang on i talked about physical healing I'm talking about spiritual healing. I've talked about being lame physically, and I've talked about being lame spiritually. A couple months ago, God just put a burden on my heart. And it was for our children. See, I just threw you a curve. Stay with me. It was to pray for our children, our grandchildren, our children's children actually on the first Wednesday of July. If you're going to minister to children, somebody has to respond in faith. There is a line of authority that flows from the parent's faith to the child to receive their healing. Or if the child's old enough and has been taught the Word of God, then they can exercise their faith. So either parents have faith or the kid has grown up and has faith enough within themselves. If you teach your kids the word, they will have faith when they're old enough, they'll use it. But faith opens the door for healing. Here's why I want to pray for children. Children have real problems. A lot of parents don't think that kids have problems, that they are a problem. 
Can I tell you that the enemy attacks our children just the way he attacks us? In fact, the soft spot is to hit a child when they're young. He, he, he has no mercy for your child. He hates your children. His desire is to kill, steal, and destroy them, not physically, but to kill and steal and destroy their intimate relationship with them. When you look up those three words, you study those three words, it's to stop them, to paralyze them, to put, make them spiritually lame so they do not have an ongoing relationship with God. Therefore, they are spiritually dead. So what do children need to experience? Well, children need to experience the presence of God, the power of God, the love of God. Secondly, children have physical needs. It seems like, and, and, and it's probably always, but it seems like the last few months there's just been over report over and over and over about the needs of children. And, and listen, when you send in your needs for your children, well, if it's an allergy test, I don't blow that away like, oh, that's nothing because this kid has cancer. No, 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 I, I look at all of it the same. And, and you see, I, I see a common denominator here. If the enemy's attacking our children, then what are we supposed to do? We, as the adult, then, should know how to be physically healed and spiritually healed so that we can take our faith and connect it to our children. And here's why that's important, because thirdly, children are hated by the enemy. The enemy can affect our children. There's a story in, in, in Mark where Jesus called the demon out of a child, and then he asked the dad this question. He, he, Jesus said to him, Father, this is in Mark 9, 23, he said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him, to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, I, I believe, I, I've, I've heard the sermons, but help my unbelief. See, you can't have it both ways. Either you believe or you don't believe. He was a double-minded man living on both sides of the fence. His own child has an issue caused by the enemy, and the reason is, you know, that, that Jesus is talking to him like this is because the parents that do not live and walk in spiritual authority, you, you just have an open door. And I'm not saying all sickness and all disease comes from that. I'm saying the other way, that when sickness and disease or anything comes to your child, that you, with that spiritual authority, that you can be aggressive. You can make an effort. You, I, I, I have to do this, and I, I don't know if, if, if Chris and Katie are here tonight, and if you are, uh, I, I, I'd like to know. You can tell me later if you're here. Uh, this is a couple that was at our church, and they moved, and they moved back, and, and, and they, they, uh, they, they, their little seven-year-old, Ethan, uh, was diagnosed with stage four cancer while they were living in Mississippi, and uh, UAB was going to do some, some research and work, and so they moved and transferred and, 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 and did all that. And, and he, he wrote me this email to explain all this to me, and Pastor Jonathan already knew all this. He's been praying and talking to him, and, he, and he's talking about our staff and the prayers. But he said he's so excited about tonight about us praying for our children because we're going to pray for our children in just a minute. Uh, and and, and he, he said this. Probably what you don't know is today, July the 5th, was Ethan's last treatment day. How fitting that God put it on your heart to talk about healing. Ethan was given less than a 30% chance to cure this type of cancer after surgery, two months of chemotherapy. Ethan's cancer was miraculously already undetectable. He continues to, to preserve through additional years of a year of chemotherapy, two rounds of radiation. He has no detectable cancer in his body. He fought with a smile on his face the whole way. And, 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 and we, we, here's how we found out about it. There's a, there's a card in your seat, and this little seven-year-old took the card and wrote on the card that he needed healing and turned it in. 
See, he had, he had faith as a seven-year-old. But I want you to hear what mom and dad did. I want you to listen because I, I don't want you to be intimidated and fearful by all the bad stuff that's going on. I, I want you to listen to what this parent said. He said, this has been an amazing experience for a believer. Your faith is tested to the extreme, and you angrily ask the question, why would this happen to my beautiful little boy? But, but you know you, you need healing, and you need a miracle, and only God can provide these things. So you, you have to put your anger aside. You have to devote yourself to prayer. You have to commit yourself to your, in faith to living for God and moving out of the way and let God work. And, and he is working indeed. And I just felt like I needed to share this with you. And he talks about City Hope, and, and, and he said, I want to take the opportunity to share with you so that you knew before you deliver the message that we know this is for Ethan. And we pray for others who may be dealing with issues, and they will, if they will hear God's word and act on God's word, they'll feel the same peace that we feel. So, so, so watch, physical healing, spiritual healing as a parent. Your, your children are depending on you. you. You don't have time to stay spiritually lame. You, 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 you can't, you can't. You can't just fold the, you can't just give in because they said. And I'm talking about an allergy. I, I'm talking about something, I'm talking about anything. And when you become spiritually active and mobile, and, and he walked into the, when you start moving in the presence of God, God's going to do things in your life and in your children's life. That's the way it's going to happen. So here's, here's what I want to do, okay? So, so listen to me. If you're a parent and you have a child or a teenager that has a sickness, a disease, an extreme allergy or Something weird going on in their body right now. Our people already know that you're coming, all the campuses. If your child needs that prayer now, I want one of the parents just to get up now and, and go to the children. They're waiting on you to have your child. They'll give you your child, and I want you to bring your child back in because we're going to pray for the children. So parents, if that's you, step out and go. Thanks for joining us online for First Wednesday. If your kids are close by or you need healing, we encourage you to take the next step and pray right now. We are excited to hear how God has come through in your situation.